This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, December 14th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. We take you inside a Michigan warehouse shipping out the vaccine. Plus, an explainer on Brexit's latest delay. First, though, a rare spotlight on the Electoral College meeting is today's one big thing. Electors around the country are headed to their state capitol buildings today to formalize President-elect Joe Biden's election win. It's normally a big ceremonial event where guests and members of the public are welcome to watch the vote. But this year, everything's different. Not only are states requiring masks and enforcing social distancing, in Michigan, there will be police escorts for electors from their cars into the state capitol building in Lansing. And since there's so much attention on this, we wanted to let you know how all of this is going to work. Steph Kite is a politics reporter for Axios. Steph, I wonder how states are providing security given the sporadic violence we saw at some state capitals and in Washington, D.C. over the weekend? Yeah, this is something that several people I talked to expressed concern about just looking over the past year. We've seen state capitals in particular become kind of hubs of protest. And, you know, one good thing is that often state capitals already have some level of security in place. But I think we're we're certainly going to see other states like Michigan take a few extra precautions given the crazy and heated political year it's been. And how does all of this happen? Like what's going to happen today? So electors are meeting in their state capitals today, and they will vote twice, once for president and once for vice president. And then those votes are tallied on six certificates, and all the electors have to sign off on those certificates. It's interesting because this year, so many of our events have been moved to virtual events. But because of federal statutes that require that electors actually sign on the certificates of votes, it would be pretty complicated for states to try to move the ceremony to an all online or virtual event. So a lot of these states are taking precautions like asking electors to wear masks. In Texas, they're taking people's temperature before they enter the building, but it will be an in-person event even if there's not as many in-person spectators. And also just for transparency, I know some states are also live streaming this. I kind of feel like this is like that FDA hearing last week. All of these things that people normally would not pay attention to, maybe they will. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. In the past, this probably would have happened and, you know, maybe a few people would have paid attention. But even the fact that we're concerned about there being some kind of politicization of this ceremony is really unique and something that experts I talked to said really hasn't happened before. Steph, once the votes are in today, what happens next? So after the electors sign off on their certificates of the vote, um, they're then mailed to a couple different places, but including um, the vice president of the United States because he's the president of the Senate and also the National Archives. They're supposed to arrive by December 23rd. And then the next big event is January 6th, where Congress will meet in a joint session and actually count those votes and announce that Joe Biden will be the next president 
of the United States. And there is a way for some Congress members to try to object to slates of electors, but it's very unlikely that that would go anywhere. Steph Kite is a politics reporter for Axios. Steph, thanks for explaining that to us. Of course. Thanks for having me on. We'll be back in 15 seconds with an explanation of the latest twist to Brexit. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. Remember Brexit? The United Kingdom officially left the European Union earlier this year. But the trade and security changes that it was supposed to involve didn't actually happen. Both the UK and the EU gave themselves an 11-month buffer to sort out the details. And yesterday, they decided to give themselves even more time to avoid a so-called no-deal Brexit. Dave Lawler, the World News Editor, is here to explain why this matters. So from the UK perspective, if we have this no-deal Brexit, you know, suddenly you're going to have potentially chaos at ports with goods traveling in and out of the UK. You're going to have tariffs and quotas snap into place. So really a lot more friction added to the trade between the UK, which is the world's fifth or sixth largest economy in the EU, which is the world's first or second biggest economic bloc. So we're talking about big elements of the global economy here, but also they're trying to negotiate a trade deal with the United States. So Brexit is going to be an ongoing, complicated issue, not just for the next couple of weeks before we figure out this EU trade deal, uh, but really for the years to come. And Dave, why has this process been so complicated? So part of the reason this is so complicated is usually when you have negotiations over a trade deal, it's about how you're going to bring two economies closer together. In this case, it's about pulling two economies apart in this really kind of wrenching Brexit process. And so it's not that surprising that it's four years after the UK voted to leave the EU and we're still stuck on some of these core issues. And what's the sticking point here of the negotiations? There's three main sticking points, and they've been the same sticking points for weeks now. One is fishing, which is what access will EU-based fishermen have to British waters? Another, which maybe is the more important one, is this issue of a level playing field. So the UK is going to be selling into the European Union, but the EU says, okay, then you need to sort of abide by our regulations on things like environmental standards, labor standards. The UK says, Part of the whole point of Brexit was breaking free of these EU regulations. Now we're going to have to keep following them. And the last part is the enforcement. How do you make sure that both sides are following the rules? And if you think that the other side isn't, how can you punish them? Dave Lawler is Axios' world editor. This is what a milestone sounded like Sunday morning. The first shipments of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine were packed, loaded, and shipped out of a facility in Kalamazoo, Michigan, for use across the U.S. Pfizer live-streamed the process, from scanning contents of the boxes to packing them with dry ice and applauding for the workers on the packing line as they loaded them onto shipping pallets and into the trucks, including one from UPS and another from FedEx as they pulled away from the facility. It may be a milestone, but it's just the first step. 
In the coming months, getting vaccines out to millions of Americans will be a long and complicated delivery and distribution process. That was just the first vaccine shipment of many. But shipping giants like FedEx and UPS have been overwhelmed during the pandemic. And as we head into the busiest part of the holiday season, it's likely to get worse, especially when you add in vaccine shipments. So how have the big shipping companies been preparing? Joanne Muller is a transportation reporter for Axios. Joanne, holiday shipping and vaccine shipping in a pandemic seem like such a delicate juggling act to me. I'm just thinking about if a shipment of a temperature-controlled vaccine is delayed, that could be disastrous. How are they planning for that? Well, yeah. So UPS, as an example, has uh, built up what they call a freezer farm. It's a giant warehouse full of ultra-cold freezers where they're keeping vaccines. But they're also, believe it or not, manufacturing dry ice, which will be used to not only transport the vaccine, but they're actually sending follow-up boxes of dry ice. So I imagine if you're a holiday shopper, this is another reason for having patience, because obviously the vaccine, I would presume, takes priority. Right. I mean, uh, some of the, the companies have actually put limits on retailers and said, look, we can't take any more packages from you right now. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> but they have reserved the appropriate amount of capacity within their networks to get the vaccine where it needs to go. But the influx of holiday and e-commerce shopping is putting you know some stress on it. Joanne Muller is a transportation reporter for Axios. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Nyla. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter. My handle is Nyla Boodoo. And if you're a fan of the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find our show. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. 